1: We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike D'Italia along with Charlie Long, Bobby J. Taking some time off, uh, some R&R for Mardi Gras time. (laughs) I think he's going to California, so to speak. Uh, So, uh, uh, Bob will be back, uh, I think, in 10 days. On our Oakland Jewelers Talk and Text line, we have Miss Marnie Schneider. Marnie uh, is an author, and she's wrote a, a book series, Game Day in the USA, uh, basically sort of teaching young children about and kids about the NFL and the game day experience and everything else that's involved with that. It's, it's become a TV game for, for so many people. They watch it at, at a young age. Also, Morney's involved in some charities uh, with the McDonald's house and uh, something her grandfather uh, got involved with in Philadelphia. So, Morney, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon.
2: Well, thanks for having me. That was a great introduction. Thanks, Mike. Yeah,
1: so I'll be doing the speeches that way, you know. I'll, yeah, Take it up a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Marty, we don't get a lot of people that their grandfather owned an NFL team on with. I got to admit, but your grandfather, Leonard Toast, owned the Philadelphia Eagles, and your mom, which a lot of people don't know, your mom... She was, uh, I think, the chief legal counsel at one time for the Eagles, but she became the first female general manager in the National Football League. So, you know, for most people, oh, Marty grew up, privileged lifestyle, everything else. That wasn't quite the case, right? Uh,
2: You know, I mean, I would certainly say that uh, my lifestyle was a little bit different than other people, but. I think that my mom and grandfather did a really good job of trying to, you know, keep me um, so that experiences were normal as best as possible. And they definitely accomplished that goal. I I don't think I grew up feeling like I was different than other people.
1: Right. And and some people do when they have money.
2: I think so. uh, uh, That's no
1: question about that.
2: I definitely would uh, not be flying in the front of the aircraft. Let's put it this way. I'd be in the back towards the bathroom. Even on the t- on the long, you know, flights with the team, the coaches and, and the executives are all up in the front of the plane. And I was in the way back with my, you know, Sony Walkman, which people might not even remember what that is, and a, a bag of batteries and a notepad. You, okay, you telling really you're telling your
1: age there, yeah. Morning, with that Sony know, Walkman. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little bit about it, the fact that, um, so you you lived in Philly for quite a while, correct?
2: I did. I grew up in Philadelphia, uh, okay. so I would consider Philadelphia my hometown, yes.
1: Okay, but yeah. you, you're right. in North Carolina today. But uh, the situation with, uh, your grandfather was quite the character now. He really was. Uh, you, you know, his li- If this was on a lifestyle movie, it wouldn't be just a one night a one-nighter. He, it'd be a couple of nights. Your grandfather had uh, quite a, a life with him. But one of the things he did and that really hit and changed the fortunes of Philadelphia football, he hired that college coach from California and Dick Vermeil, And what it did to that organization, uh, and I can remember when, you know, Dick Vermeil, his UCLA team, I think they were like a 16-point underdog against Ohio State, and they ended up beating him in a Rose Bowl and to watch the old Pops, or Woody Hayes, walk across that field. You weren't quite sure about Woody at that time because uh, he was a live wire with no insulation to go shake Dick Vermeil's hand. But your yeah. grandfather bringing him to Philly really ch- started the chain reaction of changing the fortunes of Philadelphia football.
2: Oh, definitely. I think you know Coach Ramain was a great addition to Philadelphia. He believed in people, and I think that that's what Philadelphia really needed. John Shira. Who was the quarterback for the um, Bruins for UCLA under Coach Vermeel that won the Rose Bowl? He brought him to Philadelphia and, you know, he played on special teams in Philly. But I think what Coach Vermeel did, and which is a, an amazing thing that coaches can do, is connect and make people feel valuable and add value to the city and to the team. And that was what he did in a great way.
1: And your grandfather wanted to win. I mean, you know, one of the things uh, Dick was on with us uh, a few months back, and he was like, you know, I think Mr. Toast thought this would would come about a lot quicker than what it did. It was a bit of a process. But he said, you know, one thing I give him, he was patient with me. He let me retool this team. He let me bring in the type players that I needed to have that change. And it ended up, you know – kind of a us against the Cowboys world because Dallas was riding high at that point and he, he was like, we focused on doing everything we could to win the NFC East, beat the Cowboys and you would figure for them to get to the Super Bowl, who they had to go through? Dallas.
2: Yep. Yeah, and that game, that game really took a lot out of Philadelphia. That was almost, in some ways, the Eagles Super Bowl. But Coach Romiel, you know, tells this story way better than I can. But in 1980-81, he wrote up a game plan that said get to the Super Bowl. And after the game, and the Eagles lost, and you know, it wasn't their best outing. But uh, they said, Coach, what happened? You were a better team. You did this. You did that. And he said, Yeah, you know what? At the beginning of the season, I wrote up a game plan, and it said get to the Super Bowl, and that. Game plan was flawed, and everybody said, What do you mean? He's like, Yeah, I needed to say when.
1: He didn't say when it would happen, though.
2: Right. Well, no, the game plan needed to say when. Oh,
1: when, W I N. I get get you. I get you. And so, yeah, yeah, and you know, and one thing with Dick, you knew it would probably be short thinking about it. You know, he was such an emotional guy, and and he was the first coach that I can remember, Marnie, that kind of had that saying of coaching burnout. Uh, We hear it a lot today, but he was the first that it happened to.
2: Well, he was such a compulsive workaholic. I, you know, as a young girl, but I, I do know that he would sleep in the office. I mean, they would. My grandfather would tell him, "Go home! Like enough, you got to get out of here." <laughs> he would sleep in the office, eat in the office, twenty-hour days, and he really wanted to win. I mean, and, and his players would say that if you could survive Dick Vermeil's training camp, you could do anything. And you know, what's interesting is that so many of the of the guys that played football under Coach Vermeil, you know, after football, became wildly successful, and and I, I'm sure that there's a, a direct correlation between his training camp and his. Uh, ability to really get the best out of people and then them transitioning from professional football into another career.
1: Morning, tell us the story about how your mom and she was a legal counsel at that time, uh, how she became the first female GM in the National Football League.
2: So and you know my mom been my mom was a businesswoman and was working for my grandfather and was going to law school and it, it was helping him doing you know, a bunch of legal work with his lawyers because when you own a team or when you're a professional there's always legal stuff going on. My grandfather probably had more than others, um, but there was definitely <laughs> legal things and um, you know wives and businesses and who knows whatever you know. Uh, so. Uh the time came when my grandfather looked around and said, you know, basically that she was really the most qualified for the job. Not only was she uh, his daughter, and that was almost, you know, like a, a negative in many ways, but that she was a lawyer, she was smart, she was turning a hobby into a business. And, you know, that's what I think was so interesting. My mom and her career in, in professional sports is that she was she was really one of the first ones to take a business that was a hobby And make it into a real business. And Mike Freeman from Bleacher Report wrote about this about 10 years ago, that if you go back and you look at some of the things that my mom was doing, uh, you know, in 1982, 83, that's really how teams are run today. They were, you know, they were on AM radio. They went to FM radio. They were, you know, streamlining flights and doing things where they could really make money at the team, not just have a hobby.
1: Morning, oh I was going I
2: really good at it.
1: I was going to bring that up. Her blueprint of back early 80s is what's done today.
2: It's exactly, exactly what's it done
1: today. Uh, of I, I read the article Freeman had wrote on her and and that's that's really amazing that you know she came up with a lot of those ideas that today is commonplace in the NFL, but back then, uh, not so much. Uh, it was sort of we're gonna do the same old, same old, and but she sort of broke that format. Tell everybody a little bit about the the book series, and I know you're involved in in children charities and and things involved in in teaching the NFL to young children, but also to the story about the McDonald's house. Because Leonard was involved with that, and and you've sort of taken over uh, to push that charity also.
2: Yes, I definitely have, and it's really important to me. So, uh, a couple things. Well, the book, my grandfather in 1974, when he owned the Philadelphia Eagles, a player on the team named Fred Hill, his daughter was diagnosed with leukemia. And then, you know, my grandfather being a philanthropic guy and also understanding that. When your child is sick, you can't really do anything. You're just not thinking about anything, and especially not playing professional football. So they started a charity called Eagles Fly for Leukemia, and then that transitioned. Although Eagles Fly for Leukemia is still around, and it was up until a couple years ago, kind of still the the charity at the Eagles. Um, And then they uh, went from Eagles Fly for Leukemia. They met up with Dr. Audrey Evans, and she was the godmother of pediatric oncology. She was one of Kim's doctors. Kim Hill, Fred and Fran's daughter. And so she said, what we really need is a place for families to stay while their kids are getting sick. And so my grandfather said, well, let's do that. And they reached out to the McDonald's Corporation and McDonald's said, we're in, let's do it. And so in 1974, my grandfather and Ray Kroc and uh, Jimmy Murray, who was the Eagle General Manager, and um, Ed Renzi, who was the chairman of McDonald's at the time. Uh, they opened up the very first Ronald McDonald House in Philadelphia in 1974. And so I'm very proud of that. And it's something that now I'm very involved with because I would not want to squander my family's involvement in what they did years ago. And it's also given me a great opportunity to um, have a lot of interaction with kids all over the United States. So while my mom was running the team and I was traveling around with her, we kind of wrote a bunch of Stories and things like that. As I was a young girl and didn't have an iPhone or an iPad because they didn't exist, so just started writing stories and it turned into Football Freddy. and that was you know years and years and years ago. And a couple of years ago, my mom said, "Let's let's check out that book series that we were that you wrote, you know, on an airplane." And we looked at it and said, "You know, this could be something." And went to a publisher and they were like, "Yeah, we love it." So. Um, Football Freddy and Fumble the Dog Game Day in the USA. We did our first book about Philadelphia and now we have um, eight books in the series and we're just about to start something really special, which is Football Freddy and Fumble the Dog Game Day in Canton. So we're going to chronicle Freddy and Fumble the Dog going to Canton, Ohio. And you know what that means, that they're going to be visiting the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So as a football fan, this is a real special treat for me to get to work on.
1: Until you posted the picture, and I read a little bit about it. You got to tell everybody about the Princess Diana jacket.
2: The Eagles (laughs) jacket. Yeah. The Eagles jacket. It's so funny. It's really gotten so much attention lately. So um, a guy that worked for my grandfather at the Philadelphia Eagles, he was very good friends with the Kelly family as in Grace Kelly and um, Princess Grace died. And unfortunately, you know, she died way too early, but this gentleman, Jack, who went um, went to the funeral and he worked for my grandfather and he met Princess Diana there and they were talking and she is an English woman and not a football fan, certainly not a Philadelphia football fan, <laughs> but she likes the colors of eagle, you know, eagle colors of gray and silver. And so um, Jack Edelstein, the, the gentleman who met her, came back to my grandfather and said, I met Princess Diana. I want to send her some T-shirts. And my grandfather was like, you know, we can't just send her T-shirts. We have to do something special for her. She's the princess. So they made a special jacket for Princess Diana. And it turned out that, you know, she loved the jacket and she wore it. And I have a couple theories on the fact that, you know, certainly I think she liked it because somebody took some time to, to think of her and to do something thoughtful for her. But now that I'm thinking about it, I think that it might have been her way of um her little um, maverick rogue independence of like putting on a jacket that was so American, definitely not English, and wearing it around her kids and being photographed like as the um, of just being a little cheeky, I, I suppose. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing.
1: Marnie, I've never seen that picture until you posted it. I'd never seen that picture with her with the jacket on.
2: She was in on the cover of People magazine and she wore that And jacket.
1: she wore okay wow uh, yeah. see I don't remember that but, uh, yeah,
2: she really loved it. She wore it in a lot of different... Um, yeah, she And she chose to... The story about People Magazine is that she chose to wear that jacket. So now actually um, uh, that, you know, we don't know where the jacket currently is, but my fiancé said, let's go um, tra- get that jacket and bring it to the Pro Football Hall of Fame because I feel like yeah. you know, and he's right. He's like, that would be something that people would want to see, like the Eagles jacket that Princess Diana wore. So, uh, yeah, so we're going to see if we can figure out how to track that jacket down you know Megan and Harry might have it who knows we'll find it
1: (laughs) oh the disappointment um the Eagles came here to New Orleans and the Raiders were rolling and, and got it done uh, and ended up with the the win in Super Bowl Sunday. And I remember uh, sort of it was within hours the hostages released from Moran and everything else and tied that yellow ribbon and all this yeah. other thing. But uh, the disappointment in getting to that big game, and then you see it again last Sunday. Uh, you get there and, and, you know, for Saints fans, they've been the one, and they won that one but when you get there and you lose uh it, it is a heart punch like nothing else
2: especially when you're the, probably the better i mean the, the 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 chiefs are a great team so you can't really say better team but i would say this that it seemed like the eagles had it all together this year to to win that game yeah so that they didn't win the game was kind of a surprise. But, you know, that's football. That's what professional sports, that's what we love about it. We love the we we love that. I mean, obviously, we don't love losing. No one likes losing.
1: And it's not but, a series uh, like in baseball and basketball. Nope. It's one game, winner take all.
2: Yeah, it's one game. Yeah, people, you know, definitely reached out to me and were like, are you okay? I'm like, yes, I'm fine. It's, you know, definitely not – The ideal scenario, but you know the Eagles are a great team, and they'll be back next year or the year after. And I think that they had an incredible run this year, so they've got great, you know, great a great owner and the best general manager I think in all of in all of professional sports, and Howie Roseman, and you know, great coaches and great players. Look at Jalen Hurts. I mean, these guys are are so so great. I mean, but so Pat Mahomes. I'll I'll
1: always remember this as sort of vivid. Jalen comes to Manning Passing Academy which is maybe 10 minutes from my home and mm-hmm. uh, he's working with Peyton Manning uh and you know Peyton's on him about Jalen Jalen put your feet down on a throw don't throw off your tippy toes and he had a tendency to do that I still see him from time to time do it but how they worked with him and how he's become such a better passer in this league he was always a great runner always had that ability to run the football. But it's that vivid image of Peyton Manning working with him because those first uh, few throws were way high, and Peyton was on him. Set your feet. Don't throw it off your tippy toes. And it's almost like it was ringing in my ear over and over. But that game against the Chiefs, that's the best I've seen Jalen throw the football as a professional player. He he really had a great game. Again, the fumble is what it happens. That happens in games, but he played magnificent in that game.
2: He did, and he broke you know he broke a lot of records, including uh, I believe he's the first Alabama quarterback to ever score a touchdown in the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, and they've had a few of them. Uh, I I know Namath and Stabler win for sure, Uh, but uh, Joe. Yes, I
2: mean they obviously stayed through, and they made and their players got touchdowns. But Jalen was the first one to actually get into the end zone in a Super Bowl. Uh, Marnie,
1: tell everybody a little bit about how, if they are interested in the book, how they can get it.
2: Oh, thank you. That is a great question. Uh, they can go to gamedayintheusa.com and uh, buy the books right there on our website, or they can go to Amazon, but, uh, you know, Game Day in the USA and click on whichever book or all of them. And right now we've got eight books that are available, Philadelphia, the Carolinas, uh, Atlanta, Chicago, Green Bay, Pittsburgh, Dallas-Fort Worth, and Tampa Bay.
1: That's awesome. That's really great. Yeah, uh, thank
2: you. Yeah, so uh, I'm very proud of them. I think that the uh, it's a great way for kids to learn about football, to learn about friendship, to learn about travel, learn about the great things that happen in different football cities, and and uh, and I think that it's not just a, a kids' book. It's really I've been told that they're books for all ages. So
1: the other yeah. thing too is thank you for what you do in your charity work because you could you could decide i don't want to get involved with it but you did uh with the mcdonald's house and for people to get involved in that sort of thing and a lot of times it's involving with children and that nothing tugs at your heart uh, of a sick child i mean really really does and so thank you for what you do in, in that area because i think it's it's so important today for us to give back
2: well, I think the giving back is really truly the best way, certainly to reset yourself, but it really is the the best way to, uh, for me at least, to kind of rid my mind of anything that might be frustrating or, or not positive if I go and do something charitable I always feel like wow that was just the best way to spend my time so it definitely makes me feel really good to do things like that and certainly going to the Ronald McDonald House and volunteering and the Ronald McDonald House is really all about volunteers they really they've got a very bare bones um, staff and they really rely heavily that was always from the beginning on the volunteers so there's so many great ways you can go and make meals for the families you can go bake cookies for the families you can go do So many different things at the Ronald McDonald House just to kind of connect and feel that you're making a difference and that's really what I think is a great way to reset yourself and get back just a little bit
1: so if anybody's interested Game Day in the USA you can uh, t- dial it in com. Marnie's got a series of uh, books and one that'll be out I guess when uh, pretty soon on the Canton trip so if you're interested you can go online and do that and so Marnie thanks so much for joining us so we don't have a lot of people that their grandpa's owned an NFL team on Sports Talk. <laughs> so I appreciate you coming on.
2: Anytime. Well, then, you know what? You can call me any if you have any questions or just need to make fun of, of certain things. I'm, I'm fair game. So call me anytime. I'm happy to, happy to join in.
1: Thanks so much, Marnie. I appreciate it.
2: All right. Thank you so much. Right. Have a great night.
1: You too, Marty. Marnie. Marnie Schneider, uh, author, game com series of books teaching children about the NFL experience and about uh, getting along with people and also Morning's involved with uh, McDonald's House. Uh, does a lot of great charity work. So we appreciate her coming on tonight. We'll have more here on Sports Talk on the Big 870 right after this break.